Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to episode 75. Yep, 75 of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts. And this episode, uh, we kind of took a little while to, to get to it. Didn't do something too recent leading up to it um, because we knew it was coming Thursday night. Um, January the 4th, something, in the middle of January sometime, Thursday, yesterday, um, recorded an episode at the University of Manitoba uh, with Teebs from the hockey show, uh, myself, uh, Chris from the podcast, his older brother Greg from CGOB, Greg Mackling, and also Marat, and me, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, I think I said them all. Anyhow, all five of us, we got together for a little round table chat about the Jets. It was a lot of fun to do. The sound quality is much better than what we usually do, so that's always fun, sitting in a real studio with headphones and mics. Jeez, we need a... Uh, who wants to sponsor the show and buy us some equipment? That'd be great. Anyhow, um, it, yeah, it was great to do. Uh, the thing is, we were supposed to start at 5.30. That's when we are going to be live on the air on 101.5 UMFM, but somebody at about 10 after 5, um, set off the fire alarm in one of the restaurants. I guess a fan stopped working, smoke billowed up, and called the fire department. So we were shut out. So we weren't able to start till about 5.40, something like that by the time Chris and I, I think, walked in the studio. So it's a little abridged. With the five of us, it would have been awesome had we had an hour and a half, um, but we did have an hour, and then it was cut down to 40 minutes. So it's a little bit shorter than I think we all would have liked. Uh, would have liked to chat a little bit longer. It was definitely, like I mentioned, fun to do. So 40 minutes here-ish of uh, the five of us having a roundtable chat that originally aired last night, Thursday, um, January something something if, um, uh, yeah, at uh, 101.5 UFM. So here's the audio from that. I got permission from everybody to post it. So uh, you don't have to call the cops. Okay, here it is. Welcome to the Hockey Show here on 101.5 UMFM. Sorry for the delay, everybody. A little bit late today, simply because there was a fire alarm in the building today, and a rare fire alarm for us here on the Hockey Show. Sometimes happens earlier in the day, obviously with uh, more students around, but a little bit of a fire alarm to, uh, to kick off the uh, the hour anyway, as we fade out uh, rushes closer to the heart and we get everything going that way. Uh, joined right now by one of our many guests who are slowly filtering back in after the uh, fire alarm, as uh, we have uh, we have Greg Mackling just to my right right now. Greg is one of our featured guests tonight. He is the uh, one of the, the co-hosts of CJOB's The Start. And Greg, I want to uh, thank you for holding on and, and braving the cold while we get the fire alarm f- uh, situation fixed. Well, normally I'm getting ready for bed right about now so <laughs> this is first of all very late for me yes, yes, yeah. but more than happy to be here this is uh, an honor to be back back on campus uh, they kicked me off of this place about 20 years ago oh no, no don't let security do know that i'm back we got the uh, we got a couple more guys rolling in as we get everybody else sort of set up so we'll let you guys grab a headset and a mic and we'll get everything going as we get uh chris, are you ready are you ready over there chris are you ready to oh, go yeah. chris nice to have you with us everybody yeah. this is chris from the uh the jet centric podcast and a, a understandably a close relationship to Greg in terms of uh, having the uh, the the brother situation. I, we don't get very many family family sort of set up in here, so having the uh, you know the sibling rivalry slash brotherly connection here is going to be good tonight. I think. Yeah, we've Greg and I have been on air before, but uh, <laughs> usually we talk football, not hockey. So yeah, that's, no, that's, that's fair. a change. Yeah, so, no, that's, yeah. that's all right. Uh, down the far end, I'm just trying to make sure we got everybody on mic. We're still waiting for one guy to come in. He's uh, he's currently working himself. Uh, towards here and we'll talk about him in a second but uh aj how are you how's everything are you a little warmer than what you were a few minutes ago no no it's freezing cold <laughs> outside just sitting in the van waiting to get back in from the, I, we should have stayed in and watched the building burn. yeah i was gonna say up for a bit, get, so. uh, get the hands warmed yeah, no, and cold 
Uh, the the setup, uh, obviously, we're missing one guy right now. He's going to be a little bit late. Murat Atash, is, he actually was finishing up an interview prior to coming here. So Murat's on his way, apparently. He's uh, laying rubber on road right now to get uh, things over here. But with that, uh, we'll let him get in when he can. But we'll uh, start talking Jets because everybody has been waiting for our show to get on. So uh, Jets Roundtable, glad to have everybody with us. Glad to have everybody uh, at home listening uh, who is listening. Thanks for, for tuning in. We'll talk uh, a lot of Jets tonight. So let's start with the obvious. Um, forwards can score, goalies can save, but it seems like the group in between has a little bit of problem defending. Um, uh, What do you do with the current state of the Jets' defense now that Tucker Pullman, Carl Dahlstrom, both out for extended periods of time? What do you do with your current situation in defense? Do you make a trade to shore up the the, the blue line? Do you you look at maybe waiting until March 14th and hoping – uh, Hanala comes back over. Are you crossing your fingers and hoping Bufflin will make a return at some point? What is the answer in each of your opinions on how to fix this defense right now? Hope is not a strategy. So let's <laughs> scratch that off the list of options for this hockey team. I have no idea who's going to end up on a waiver wire, but uh, I think Kevin Cheveldayoff is dangerously close to being having to make a trade here. Let's be honest about it. Uh, this has been uh, basically chewing gum and and kite string holding this defense together so far I would agree, this yeah. season, and the gum is just maybe perhaps given way. So <laughs> I think uh, that all options are a possibility at this point in time. But I, I think more now than ever, a trade has to be considered, wouldn't you think, AJ? Um. You know what? Uh, maybe just play five forwards. Uh, just <laughs> forget the D. Yeah, not a bad plan. All the time, just like the you know, pretend everything's a power play. No, I I'm not sure. I I, I get the the sentiment about making the trade, but I guess the decision has to be made. Is this a season worth kind of giving up assets for for a trade? So I think that would be the first thing. The Jets obviously need to do some evaluations. Still got a bit of time before trade deadline, but uh, when it comes down to it, I, I'm not sure that they're really going to be in a spot to contend. Uh, you mentioned Bufflin. If Bufflin comes back, we might have something to talk about here. If he doesn't and we're still looking with this decor, even if you can add a piece or two, you're going to have to give up a piece or two of from your forwards, likely. I don't, I don't think they want to give up any more uh, um, draft picks or anything. So, I don't know. I, I guess, are the Jets contenders? Are they Are they legitimate? So that, I, think I think they just have to worry point. about being able to ice a lineup at this point in time. Well, that's, yeah, that's uh, a key. For sure. <laughs> they need warm bodies, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. So there's something a bit more. But when we're talking about making a trade, you're, you're looking to do that not just for the long term. That's probably a bit more of a short-term solution. So uh, I don't know. Maybe they just try and get by with a shilling coming up or, or somebody else. So, Chris, what do you... But, they need defensive help whether or not these guys are hurt anyway. Right? So why wouldn't you make a move? Because they're, they don't, they're thin even with those two guys no matter what. Even realistically, even if Bufflin's on the team, they still could use a guy. Yeah. Um, you think about a guy like Honka in uh, Dallas. Yeah. I know that's somebody that a lot of people have talked about for a long time. He fits the mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not the mold of the coach, but of the idea of the franchise. And somebody that can be had for a realistic price at probably at this point. But and now, now that he went back to Europe, I don't think he's allowed to come now, right? Well, and because he's an RFA, he can't. He's past the the he deadline for sign signing. For this. But there are guys that are out there. Mark Mathot is still out there. He's talked about coming back and playing in the NHL. He's a defensive defenseman. Maybe a Mark Mathot is a guy that you. Jets are at forty five of fifty NHL contracts as well, so they got a little bit of playroom in terms of adding a contract. Maybe a Mark Mathot. Again, he's thirty four. He's 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 a little bit slower than I think than the way that most of the Jets are used to playing. But guy guy can play defense. I, th- I think we'd all be in favor of finding a way to get Nikolai Ehlers more ice time. So maybe not going five forwards, but why not four forwards every now and again? I mean, I I know it's ridiculous, and we're playing theoreticals here, so let's do it. Let's talk about hypothetical solutions to a crazy situation, because let's be honest, in... August, did any of us imagine that we'd be in this situation as a watching this hockey team struggling to find NHL defensemen to put on the ice? I suspect not. Is this something that's legitimately an option for a handful of shifts every period? I mean, <laughs> if there is a team that you would want to try it with, I think it would be the Jets. I think the problem is just like a lot of the things that that happened with this team you don't see a lot of creativity 
And what's I think we can all agree what's happened this year is a lot of dumbing down, right? And you're seeing that in the offensive zone more so than in the defensive zone. From what I see, there's a lot less attacking so that there are less mistakes, so that there's less pressure on the D. And that's why everything's to the outside. Um, so it's keep it simple, stupid, right? And it's making the maybe the game's not as much fun to watch. Um, but, I mean, the results are maybe there. I mean, they... Not the you know not the underlying numbers or anything like that, but, but the they're, 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 they're in the relay, remaining com- competitive. They're competitive, um, despite losing you know four of their six best defensemen from last year and all those things. So I mean, there is some strategy that's that's working to to a point. I mean, with this decor, you wonder were they going to be here? Yeah, I think they're kind of where we thought, but that's that's not bad. Given given that situation, the defensive situation, I want to bring in the last gentleman of our panel, uh, Murata Tesh, who everybody probably knows from uh, an earlier appearance here on the show, as well as his excellent work in the Athletic. Uh, always uh, a pleasure to read your work over there, Murat. The question was, what does this Jets blue line need to do now that the this news has come out that Tucker Pullman and Carl Dahlstrom are basically gone for an extended period of time, if not most of the second half of the season? So I got to say the first and foremost thing is, um, you know, as I was scrambling to make it here, I had you guys on the radio and it was uh, it was a lovely experience. The last thing that I heard before that painful run up the (laughs) stairs, uh, around the corner, through the parkade and all that sort of stuff was that hope is not a strategy. So I guess I can't choose that as an answer here. No, it's not allowed. You can pray, but I mean, I don't know if it's going to bring you many wins in 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 the win column. So. So for me, with the amount of injuries that they've faced, the fact that there's no cavalry this season, I, I just I can't see it. Dustin Bufflin, um, that situation is ongoing. Okay, there's a certain amount of health that needs to be returned to. There's decisions that need to be made. Um, that's going to be the best possible case scenario of that means a lot of time yet before he's healthy and then decided and then effective and um, there's a lot of points that could be buried between now and then sure yeah um morrissey and pionk are i guess the 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 folks that you lean on it as heavily as possible and then when you get into a trade i don't like that idea unless it can be something that addresses a hockey trade for next season as well and if that's out there that's where assets sort of become a little bit more interesting um there was talk last summer of jack rosovic having inquired about a, a trade when he wasn't getting minutes last year. Um, and I'm not sure where that situation is today. Uh, but that's the type of asset if you're, if you're looking at next year or something like that. And I say all of that, and I want to circle back to the idea that I don't think this is a, a situation where Winnipeg should be searching to, to give up assets, especially a first-round pick and an incredible draft 2020 is going to be uh, for what really is patchwork because I don't think they have the horses uh, right now. I mentioned um, earlier, just a little bit earlier, Mark Mathot has been mentioning a couple times he's looking to get back in the NHL, wants to come back to the NHL. Is that maybe the, the Band-Aid that the Jets need right now, just to take them through to the end of the season? Well, that's an interesting thought because, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a strands of waiver wire situation holding the Jets' defense together right now. And... There's a certain amount of resourcefulness that I guess has to go into this procurement through other routes, whether it's somebody outside the NHL. I don't think that Mark Mathot would come in and, and absolutely no. uh, be a needle mover necessarily, but at least the concept of looking in you know on those uncovered stones, I suppose. I, I, I think, I mean, we've seen the waiver wire so far. We haven't necessarily seen somebody pulled in out of another league, even though Carl Dahlstrom was initially pulled over from overseas uh, when he was playing as part of the, the Global Series there. Um, that may be it, because the closest thing to a cavalry, I think, is Dylan Sandberg, who's got a college season to finish up, and then Villa Hainala, who has a finished season to finish up, and, and, and on and so on and so forth it goes. And that doesn't end until March 14th, according to the schedule over in the SM Liga, so you're still holding on to threads if that's the case then. Um, if there is no immediate defensive help, no immediate solution for defense, um, Jets play Tampa Bay tomorrow, Blackhawks on Sunday, Hurricanes on Tuesday, Blue Jackets on Wednesday before the All-Star break. Do they survive the next four games? 
Well, um, that's that's the that's the strategy is hope and survival, I suppose. I mean, uh, Tucker Pullman, the last that we heard, is might play by the end of the next week's road trip before he went on the IR. I suspect that it seems prudent to just let him sit out if he's close. If there's anything fifty fifty about it, and roll into the into the All Star break. So you got four games, and you you have the the defense core as you see it with Dmitry Kulikov on the top, Paris Aminiku on the on <laughs> in the top four. These are huge. Uh, Huge changes, I, I, I guess. But uh, I think that Winnipeg's play here is to lean on Connor Hellebuck, who is the horse that got them to where they are today, the wild card spot that they hold on, hope for the best, and then and then regroup uh, as soon as they get a minute. Anybody else want to throw in there? Well, what else are you going to do at this point in time, right? You, I, you, I think, but I think your suggestion, Greg, of, of the four forwards isn't a bad idea. I don't I, think it's a bad idea either, but I just don't see it happening uh, in today's in today's Winnipeg Jets. And I think I know no, where you know. guys want to go with this in terms of who might hold back that idea. But I don't think there are too many coaches <laughs> out there who would entertain this idea in a genuine sense. I mean, I, I think it's nice to dream about. It's nice to talk about. You could do it on your EA Sports, on your NHL 2020, and it would probably be quite effective. But in the NHL, when you're playing five on five, and let's just throw Nikolai Ehlers' name out there one more time, because I don't think he's getting enough ice time, plain and simple. Uh, if you wanted to, to use somebody like that, who can clearly handle the puck as good as any defenseman in the National Hockey League, he handles the puck as good as any player in the National Hockey League. How do you account for five-on-five five play against him getting caught out against some of the top lines? It's just, it, 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 it's a potential disaster the, is what it is the thing is is as we see when you're anywhere above below elite the strategy in hockey is to play defense first right Def- well they say defense wins championships i think what defense does is protect coaches <laughs> because the lower scoring game it's easier to say well we did all we could if you're losing seven five six three that doesn't look good as a coach. Right, yeah. If you're losing 2-1, 3-2... We might, were in it. You're in the game, even if you got a lousy record. You know, by the end of the year, uh, you know, we are you know played 500 hockey, this and that. So it's a protection, I, I think, in, in all sports for sure, but in hockey, definitely. So I think in all sports, until there's a whole changing of the guard, you're never going to see outside the box. I, I've heard recently people say, are you even allowed to have five forwards out there you know because they've never even heard of it before so that's what's crazy about it but it's such a protection for the for the coaching to keep the games as dull as possible when you're not you know a tampa or a toronto we're seeing what toronto does the opposite now with a new coach and says hey offense is our strength defense maybe isn't so let's play (laughs) you know up tempo and uh, let's see what happens. So is that another option for the Jets? That should be the option. Is just to shift the strategy altogether and go uh, can I say balls out on UM FM? I just said it. And go balls out and go offense and if you lose a few games 7-5 so be it. The thing thing that I think that that maybe we don't, maybe we discount too much is that again the fourth line is only playing 8-10 to minutes a night. Like I, I am 100% 100% telling that fourth line defenseman, if you're going to run a Pionk, a Morrissey, a Spiza, and, and, a, and a Niku out there, just hang back. Like, don't, like, you play the blue line, but don't think about going deep. Like, you, you, you just be the, the parachute out there. You're already a fourth line forward. We don't expect a ton out of you, but at least you're playing with somebody competent, who's competent enough defensively that can help you out if you get, if you get stuck. Yeah, but if you watch the game on Sunday against Nashville... Arguably, the most effective line for a good portion of that game was the fourth line, which is very unusual for this team. But they did manage to uh, get some sustained pressure, as awkward as it was at times, but they did have puck possession. I don't know if the numbers would bear that out, but certainly that's what my eyes told me on Sunday afternoon against the Predators. Yeah, I don't know that too many things went well for Winnipeg on Sunday against the Predators. <laughs> that was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen since the uh, Jets came back that's to Winnipeg. That's the worst hockey game I've ever been to in my life. Period it was. It I think was, I saw you on the Jumbotron there. If I, you, you did. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was sleeping, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you weren't part of the proposal yeah. though. I would say that's what got the loudest cheer of the day. Was it was this, awful. And it never got up that loud again because the, the 
on-ice results necessarily weren't worth a lot of decibels that night, and then they turned it around the other day. AJ, you wanted to jump in, though. Yeah, well, I just want to kind of go back to the question about uh, defensemen that, you know, could help out. Uh, I asked Garrett Hull a question about the, this gentleman uh, not long ago about Zach Redman, who used to be with right. the Jets. I don't think he's a proper property of any, any NHL team. I think I might have even messaged you to Marat about it. Uh, him, I think he's probably just got an AHL contract. Why? I mean, this the, the scouting staff, you know, it's a two and a half million dollar budget that the Jets have or something like that for scouting staff pro uh, scouts why is there not maybe attempts to go after some veterans that are in HL that might be happy to get some NHL money for the next four or five months I'm not sure how that all works Uh, you said the Jets have some play with the contracts yeah but Zach Redman Garrett Hull said he has uh, he's always had good numbers in the HL good numbers in the NHL and I think there's a lack of efficiency in the NHL overall and so why not look to uh, do something outside of the box here never mind a guy that's currently you know, no, no, yeah. Any, but like you mentioned with thought. It there. seemed like the Jets liked Redmond when he was here. Yeah. Like, why not bring him back? Like, that would yeah. be a good a, a question. I mean, I would like to lo- love to propose and, to, and that's to, just, to that's the just scouting one staff. I can think of. Yeah. People whose job it is to do this right. should be able to name 25 guys that could fit that role that should be willing to take seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 a year for the next four or five months to move to add something more to this decor than what is currently there. Right. Well, hopefully we're not assuming that they're not having this conversation. I suspect this conversation <laughs> is, is happening right now, if not by conference call in person right now. I, I suspect there's a, been an emergency uh, conference call called uh, by the Winnipeg Jets at this point in time with the with the information they've received today. Right. So, I mean... What if they get Redmond? Just remember I said it first. <laughs> You're on it. It's an AJ idea right there. Yeah, they called me. I, I messaged the, the Jets directly. Or yeah, because that's worked down. so well for the last seven years, our ideas and them doing them. Well, they usually catch up to our ideas two years later. That's true. That, uh, if we want to be honest here. That's true. So, so looking at it right now, seven teams, including the Jets, eight teams, sitting between 54 and 58 points in the West. It's not going to be easy to break out of that pack. It's going to be... Until you die, basically you're going to be in that pack probably for the rest of the season, especially the way that these teams seem to play some 500 hockey at, at times. Um, Tampa Bay, 11-1 in their last 12. Chicago's four points back. Winnipeg, they're 4-3 in January. Carolina's three of seven in January, but all three wins were shutouts. And, and Columbus, who plays Carolina tonight, has won five of seven in January. Are we down to must-win hockey for the Jets right now? I think the whole remaining portion of the schedule could be spun into must win. I, you know, I'm of the uh, of the personality that uh, that October wins are just as important as April ones. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but given that the parity is what it is and the point spread is so small and there are so many teams um, involved, and, and you've got Winnipeg tied with Vegas right now, but leading the points percentage tiebreaker to hold on to that wild card spot. Right. you got Nashville chasing them down as well. It's not just that Winnipeg um, is ahead of everybody that they should be ahead of, and, and that's it, and they're, they're looking to push up. There's some very good teams on paper, especially the Vegas Golden Knights, whose underlying numbers are phenomenal. It's their goaltending that seems to have sunk them, and Flurry's had a difficult year for sure in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, there is so much standing in the way of a playoff spot no matter who you are in the Western Conference right now. So 100%, this is must-win all the way through, as much as any game can be that. Is this just not a game of survivor for a lot of teams, though, for the rest of the the season? It's just to get through it and to see where the chips fall. Because I think that's the way the jet season was going to be regardless when we started this year. When it started the way it did, it was going to be do what you can and let's see how it falls. And it's only been because of their success in November, the number of points they managed to acquire in November, the position they find themselves in. Now you're maybe double thinking or second guessing your approach to the season. And I'm not sure that the Jets are necessarily going to do that. Yeah, and I, I think that there is a realism on the Jets' parts as well from the folks in, in that organization that I talked to. I don't think that during November when they were on their hot streak and Connor Hellbuck was stealing games and they were pushing up the standings and they were towards the top of the Central Division at times of that month, I don't think that they ever fooled themselves into thinking that they were carrying the flow and dominating and pushing their way through hockey games. So for me... Satisfaction is a factor of what you expect versus what you get. If you get something in line with what you expect, you're satisfied, better or worse, you're unsatisfied or more satisfied or dissatisfied, whatever the appropriate order is. There are levels of satisfaction depending on your expectations. Absolutely. And the fact that 
is, I think, is that we've gotten to where we are, which is completely reasonable heading into the season, by a very odd route. The idea that Winnipeg's offense would not get to the middle of the ice, would not be um, pushing up aggressively. I know uh, my colleagues at Jet-centric uh, are, are 100% go the other way, go offense first. But the idea that the Jets aren't pushing offensively, a little bit surprising. The idea that they're amongst the league's very worst expected goals teams, no matter who, whose model you use, that's interesting. And the idea that Connor Hellebuck maybe is dragging them up. The route to average has been an odd one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where frustrations build depending on, on where you are as a fan or where enthusiasm builds depending on where you are as a fan as well. It just makes me wonder, talking about, okay, well, where we're here, we're in the middle of the pack and all this kind of stuff and expectations and all of that. But why was that an expectation right in the middle of this team that's supposed to be, I think we would all agree, in a window? Why was that okay going into the season? I'm curious about that, right? I know that's a bigger bigger conversation, but yes, we're all aware we lost Truba, we lost Sherratt, we lost Myers. The Bufflin thing was a curveball. I'll give them that. But why were we okay as fans or as an organization that this year was going to be just an average year? We've got our best players are in their primes. We've just re-signed our captain. You know, we've got a Vesna caliber goalie, and we're just okay with going see what happens this year that well let's be honest going into it they had no cap space sure but you got to do to something then right well and see the problem i think that they're and again i i, I can't say that Mariah, you may know more than i do i think the problem they're stuck with right now is that because the the pa has grieved the the dustin bufflin situation they can't go out and fill that 7.6 million dollars which only leaves them with about four and a half million dollars max that they can play with, and yeah, there's some good good defensemen, some good forwards out there you can might be able to pick up for four and a half million bucks. But do you tie yourself to a defenseman in December when you can maybe see where you are in in February and make that trade? That's I think that's the tough situation that Shovel Dayoff's in right now is that I got all this money, this money that I should have available to me, I can't spend. I don't have the flexibility to go out and use the cap space that I have because. We're in a problem situation right now with that grievance. And how do I go and make make this team better, as Greg said, with very little cap space? But is this team 10 or 12 points better with Dustin Bufflin? He's a great player. He's everybody's favorite. But I don't think he... I would say right now they're better than Colorado with Dustin Bufflin. They're playing a different style of hockey if Dustin Bufflin is in the lineup. I think we would agree that, 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 that... Patrick Laine isn't playing at the top of the circles thinking defense uh, 1B the way he is right now and thinking that he's got to get back in certain situations versus hanging in the offensive zone because I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, Yeah, I think that second wave of offense is definitely missing from the Winnipeg Jets this season and and Dustin Bufflin would embody that and certainly other players that they lost like Jacob Truba would embody that as well. But to your point of would they be 12 points better, I, I, I don't think that you could no. reasonably say that they would. I do think Kevin Sheveldayoff gave Paul Maurice uh, what he believed to be a functional top four this season with Morrissey, Pionk, and, and Bufflin uh, heading into a certain part of the summer. There was a bit of a cap concern heading into the Line and Connor extensions, and then that cap concern that was supposed to be over is actually continued because of the, the Bufflin situation. You can't necessarily go shopping for that money. So then you've got kind of a crossroads and there there are two paths i think one is go the desperate look under every rock waiver wire angle which is what kevin shovel Dayoff has done and um you know whether it's uh, a lucas pisa that was added or carl dahlstrom or whatever we're going to see in, in that regard all of those are bottom of the barrel cap space sort of situations and sort of on that replacement level of, of d with not a lot of nhl time recently the other is some form of creativity that I can't even come up with an example for right now, but moves that move cap space out in an attempt to make a hockey trade to, to salvage this year. And I don't know who you're looking at in that particular regard. I mean, a, a lot of fans in my Twitter ads and things like that talk about Brian Little's contract efficiency. Well, unfortunately, he had a good start on the ice and then an awful injury, and he's still out long-term. Right. That doesn't yeah. work. Um, Matthew Perot is another one that people mention in terms of cap savings as well. Dimitri Kulik I think would be the least efficient use of cap space on on, on the Jets team as well. But there are other 
so I I think that all of the the things that have come up make the conservative okay we have to just deal with this one of two viable options for for reality and the other one i don't know what you guys are looking for um maybe maybe there are examples here that it is just pure creativity and something outside of the box and i don't know that that's necessarily winnipeg's strength is to is to come out of the left field with with that kind of move well and chevy's pretty pretty cards to the chest i'm not going to show anybody anything so even if there was something on the table even though there was you know an offer out there for for anybody we'd never hear about it in in majority of cases so i don't know and again i'm not saying that you're wrong like by all means go out there and explore but like see what you can find see what you can do but i think that that like as Murat was just saying i think that that like kevin's kind of stuck with what he's got and sort of going and i think they were stuck in october too yeah and i think that's the point i think chris you were asking how did we get here i think we were sort of stuck the jets were 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 very caught off guard with what happened with with dustin bufflin i don't think they saw that coming i'll just uh, i want to jump in just uh on one thing just kind of back to the conversation about the general play of the team too and would it be 12 points better Last year, uh, Murat, you just had an article the other day that sort of summarized the season so far, and uh, you had a little conversation with yourself, and I read that, and I commented afterwards that the Jets, though, where they are right now, is very, very similar to where they were points-wise and points percentage, everything, from January till April last year, and that was with Truba. I know not Bufflin for all that, because obviously he had injuries, but that was with everyone's favorite Sherratt or favorite Myers or, or that decor. So the problems with this team, as much as there's personnel things and cap constraints, um, the problems with this team as far as their lackluster play... Didn't start in October. They didn't start in October. They right. started and, in January and then my, last the year. The other thing I want to mention, too, is Shevel Day Off. People will be like, well, how is he going to get himself out of this? He was the one that talked Bufflin off the fence. They, they mentioned at the fan forum that Chris and I went to saying, you know, him and Sheveldayoff are super close. He's general manager. He's essentially the one that talked Bufflin off the fence from retiring. So by talking him off the fence, he put himself in this situation. I know people want to blame Buff and everything. And I'm not blaming Sheveldayoff, but I think there's like an element to he could have probably just moved off him. And a friend of ours, Nick, uh, told me before when this happened, he said they should have just walked off Buff right then and said, let him retire, move away from that, and be able to go on. Not because they'd be able to predict this, but because 7.6 million cap space is not something that you just go, oh, we'll just kind of you know let that sit there. So uh, I know that's hindsight now, but it's it's kind of frustrating because probably something could have been done better where you either say go ahead and retire or just the whole buffling situation seems like it's been bungled a bit even though i think there's good faith on both sides which we talked about last time yeah i think there's lots of good i think it's all good faith but at the same time the situation was bungled that's also making it difficult too so i I think there's a couple things in play where people giving the jets a benefit of the doubt and oh this is a situation that they're in and it's like they did shoot themselves in the foot at some point. Like when when uh, Greg Wisniewski had an article the other day that, that I commented on too. That <laughs> he had he said the the coach is an A minus, the GM is an A minus, the players are B plus, and the overall grade is B plus. And I said, well, the you know A squared plus B squared equals C squared, yeah. which is our, our results and expectations of this team. So how is everybody in the organization awesome? Yet at the same time, we're not good. And and on top of that, if somebody wants to make the case that I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but no, I'm kind here. of touching on a few points here. Um, but if somebody is even a Paul Maurice fan, now you have one of the top three, five, top five forward cores in the league. You have one of the best goalies, and by some people's estimation, one of the best GMs and one of the best coaches, which are not my estimations. That's a, a, the way talking to other fans. Yet, the, And the only issue he has is just this D. But it's okay, guys. We have one of the best D coaches and one of the most consistent, loyal coaching groups out there. Yet, at the same time, the play is just generally garbage, and we're near the bottom of every, like you said, goal expected goals the style everything is suffering so i just don't get how we get to this point and it's like there's so much favor still given to the team in so many things and i go this no it doesn't add up i'm sorry it just doesn't so just summarizing a couple things sorry for the rant no no you're but you're i was gonna say you're you're building the house of cards right now to say like one gust of wind one significant you know injury one significant i mean if hellebuck goes down this team is. I'm I, again. I'm not. I'm not wishing it. I'm not hoping. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even trying to jinx. I'm just saying though that if anything were, if you were to tweak it, you know, tweak a, a groin for for a week or two, yeah. we could be in deep trouble. I just to kind of elaborate on that though. Everybody kind of said the same thing that oh, this is the situation they're in. But that's Shovel Dayoff's job. 
is to get out of the situation. Well, of course it is. Right? A general manager in any job, hockey or not, you're throwing curveballs all the time. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, his hands are tied for sure. But again, it's only the Bufflin thing that's that's the curveball. We knew that Truba was gone and all of those things, right? So you have to do something unless you're okay with this. Yeah. And this is what I said to AJ yesterday. I wonder, I'm wondering right now as a fan, what's going on above Shovel Day Off? Is everybody okay with what's happening at Bell MTS 41 nights a year or for the last calendar year, we'll say? Is everybody okay with this? Like I said, you're in a window, you've got elite scores, you've got elite talent, you've got elite. Are we okay with this? And if you're, if you are, that's crazy to me that you're okay with these this performance. And if you're not, how come we're not doing anything about it? That's just where I'm stuck. Is is trying to figure out where the franchise is right now. Thinking about, hey, do you feel good going into work if you're Mark Chipman? Do you walk in and say everything's good? If the bus, Dustin Bufflin conversation happens in June versus September, essentially at training camp. Do you think Kevin Cheveldayov's answer is a little bit different than what it was in reality? Because at September 15th, who are you going out to get? Sure. I'm not saying something should have been done that second. But you, now, you're, now you're, what are we, 45, 48 games in, whatever. Yeah. whatever and it, everything's pointing to, if it, like we said, if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck, we're probably bottom five or six team in the league with this roster i don't care what's happened on defense you gotta you gotta do something you can't be okay with this you can't be walking into work every day and being well hey, this is everything's fine and the one thing that that catches me off guard and this is and this will go directly to our management style and certainly management setup is that everybody in i'll say three years ago even four years ago maybe even a little bit sooner than that the depth of this team is incredible. We have great depth. The depth that we have is 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 beyond. We're going to be great for five, six, seven, eight years. The depth is is ridiculous. We have not seen a regular Moose player come up and make a significant impact in the last couple of years. I, I mean, you can say Jack Rossovic, but Ross is playing third line right now. Like, let's Kyle let's Connor. be honest. Kyle and he's a first but, Kyle, but Kyle Connor was up, went down for 30 games, and then came back. It's not like he was a full-time Moose player. Like, we're talking a player that spent at least a year there. Josh Morrissey would be your A1 guy that did that. But those are Connor Hellebuck. Draft, but, 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 but that's what I mean. Like, Connor Hellebuck We're talking, we're talking blue chip. We're yeah. talking blue chip guy. But that's what I mean. Like, there is not a guy. Like, a Mason Appleton was supposed to be the guy to step in this year. Let's see if he can make a real impact. And Mason Appleton hasn't been able to get out of the press box for more than a dozen games at a time. Well, certainly Mason Appleton's had a, a tough year with no, no, that break. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not blaming, well. but that's the thing. I'm not blaming Mason, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying the depth that everybody kept talking about hasn't, right. hasn't de- either developed or hasn't, is still stuck on the farm. And, yeah, and I wonder quickly. where do we go? Yeah, like where, where are we going with the, like what are the moose doing either, I'm not going to say wrong, but what are the moose doing to get guys into the NHL that we're missing right now? Because I don't see it. Well, I'll say one thing. Well, one player that's been called up recently by the Toronto Maple Leafs is Rasmus Sandin, and he was the first overall pick that was sent in the Stasny trade, I believe, right. or turn, yeah. turned into, went through St. Louis and yeah, then yeah. through yeah. Toronto. And so when you send first round, and I'm not against the Stasny trade, but you send two first rounders away, that was one, right? And I mean, I know the Hainol one came back to us, but um, yeah, we ended up getting Blaisdell kind of through that trade too because of Kevin Hayes. That, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, you're right. There, there isn't really much to show for it now at least not readily and certainly not on the D side is the, the big thing I mean Luke Green has just suffered injury after injury Logan Stanley's had some injuries this year right yeah and we were all probably suspect about how good he would actually be you know mm-hmm. hoping for the best but it doesn't really look like that's going to turn out I mean by the time he's ready you will have had five drafts and drafted 35 more players it's pretty likely you find a younger better D that's than him that you're going to slot in sooner than than that guy you know become the AHL vet is a case of death when you're no longer a prospect right Right. I'm going to jump in on the development side too because this came up in a mailbag at mailbag at the athletic recently where are Winnipeg are the Winnipeg Jets finding enough NHL players outside of the top round because certainly winning the lottery to get you Patrick Laine is going to get you Patrick Laine sure certainly some folks are willing to dismiss Winnipeg's success in the first round which I think is real based on the quality of picks that they have so 
are the Jets, in fact, getting um, developing players outside of that as well? So to answer that question, I found what I believe was a Sportsnet study originally, very mathy, but it was just looking at the probability based on where a player was picked of them playing a certain various thresholds of NHL games in their career. You go through and you find the formula for that. Um, You run it through every pick that Winnipeg's had from their inception to just a few years ago because, I mean, a seventh rounder from this season isn't going to be playing necessarily. And you find Winnipeg has the exact average amount of success with plucking players outside of the top round of the draft. So I'm personally, I mean, it's an interesting line, this Manitoba Moose push sort of thing, but I don't know that Winnipeg is uniquely excelling Mm -hmm. or failing in in that regard compared to the rest of the National Hockey League. Right, but that's where it gets tough to go we shouldn't be promoting we shouldn't be 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 so high on the depth if we only have average depth like if there are 10 other teams with the same depth that we have and they're not winning mm-hmm. or they're in the middle of the pack like like we are we're, we're not really that great off like we, you see some of the guys some of the guys you know some of the teams out there and I, I'll credit Ray Shiro for this during the Pittsburgh years found all sorts of great guys in the NCAA that hadn't been drafted why aren't we maybe looking at that route as opposed to just waiting on the draft? Like, there's got to be a couple of 24-year-olds out there or 23-year-olds that are coming out of the NCAA that haven't been drafted that maybe have some ability to, to really push guys up the, up the depth chart or maybe really, you know, excel at the moose level to give other guys a push down there. I just think that we don't do enough. And, and again, I don't, I don't know what the scouting issue is. I don't know what, I don't, you know, two and a half million dollar scouting department probably has lots of discussions about this. But it's almost like we just don't have the the resources to be able to go out and grab guys that have maybe been missed or maybe been passed over a couple of times. I think the last time we had a real in-depth Jets conversation, I talked about how the Jets have to be the best at the little things, right? We're a small market team, quote-unquote, all of those you know, cliches or whatever. Did you know that it's cold in Winnipeg? <laughs> <laughs> Today it is very cold. Um, so, but that's a good example, right? You're not signing the, you're not trading for John Tavares and all of those those things that are cliche about about the city. So you have to have the best trainers. You have to have the best, you know, um, scouting department, the best analytics department, all of the little things that you can do to put yourself over because that's where you're going to make your money as a small market team, right? Is having the smartest people doing those sorts of things. That, that's just how I see it. So in my opinion, the Jets do like 85% of everything awesome, like as good or better than most teams. But those other 10 or 15%, the things that a lot of people don't see, I think that that's where they fail or seem to be failing. And that's, to me, that's a great example is how you're not finding these guys, how at the beginning of the season when you know you need to sign defensemen because Dustin Bufflin's retired on you or whatever the issue is, you're not signing the best league minimum defender. You're signing guys that really aren't very good. Yeah. So you're missing – I think we can all agree that their professional de-scouting is, is not very good. Their amateur de-scouting is, is, is pretty good. So you have to be – you have to hit on those things. You have to sign the right guys, not every time, but more often than not. And I think – that's where we, as a franchise, have to make make our money is on the the little things because the big things it's kind of also it's hard to mess it up, and and the Jets have shown that for the most part they don't mess it up with the big things, um, but the little things you have to and and it, that's where I worry that they don't. Well, and obviously that's the magic elixir for any championship team. It, the formula is that last ten percent that you're doing better than everybody else. I mean, I think we can agree the St. Louis Blues uh, fell ass backwards into Jordan Binnington and bringing him up when they did. It was only because Binnington held his ground and said, hell no, I'm not going to the ECHL. You can leave me here. You can put me up to the big club. There are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes in different teams along the way that uh, help them to their championships and take them over that final hump. Every team's looking for that magic 10 Nine, eight, seven percent that little edge that's going to take them over. And, and I think it's right to ask, what are those things that are happening in Winnipeg? I think the answer up until maybe even last year was the mantra of draft and develop. They did it pretty well. They didn't miss 
there's lots of teams who missed on first round draft choices. The Winnipeg Jets have not missed on their first round draft choices outside of Logan Stanley. And I think that's a pretty commendable record for nine seasons. I, I think I, I, I so love the passion all you guys bring on this stuff. And I have to say, the knowledge that you bring to the table on this stuff is, is so far superior to anything that that I could ever bring because it's, it's not the way I watch hockey. It's not because <laughs> I'm of the age. I grew up with the team in the world hockey association, watching one of the best hockey teams in the Absolutely, world. Yeah. That's how I grew up. Yeah. And you can give me any analytics in the world that would prove that the Montreal Canadians were better than the Winnipeg jets in 1977, 78, but I don't believe it. I think the jets would have beat the Canadians. We'll never know. I wish we would have been able to find out, but all these hypotheticals and analytics and everything I think is, is tremendous. But I think I watch hockey like, 90% if you want to use that 80-20 rule, we'll go with 80 instead of 90 and look at it as though we're nine seasons with the NHL back in Winnipeg. This franchise has already won more seven game series than version 1.0 did. Or the Thrashers. Or the Thrashers did. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, that's absolutely fact. Well, they do have a division banner, I'll just say that, from 2006-2007. That's true, they do. they do. How come we don't have that hanging in Bell and Tia's place? coming from and, an old school person. And how come, how come and, where, and where is the Central Division banner that, <laughs> that uh, Nashville is hanging from 1718 that should be hanging at Bell and Tia's place? But I think the point is, overall, when you talk about why aren't people yelling and screaming? I think their silence is more deafening than anything else because the building has gotten quiet uh, overall. But I think overall, fans are looking at this and going, outside of ticket prices and all the other conversations you can have, this has been pretty good so far. Oh, undoubtedly. Right. I mean, I mean and, and so this, this has been is a fun the, ride, yeah. It's been a fun ride, and so far... Pretty good, in the words of Larry David. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But I understand trying to fine-tune and to find what is the magic elixir that's going to allow this franchise to take the next step to really what you guys are saying, achieve their promise that they've created for themselves. I think we can give them at least that credit that they've built themselves to the point that they are regarded at a team as a team with the elite forward talent that they have, one of the best cold tenders in the game, and now what are they going to do in between to finish it off? I, I can sort of bridge that that entire speech you just had there, Greg, and say the WHA Jets were unique in that they were the first team to go over to Europe to bring over European stars. Correct. That was where their scouting was entirely better than everybody else's. And Dr. Jerry right Wilson. Exactly. Okay. Okay. One okay. set of eyes. <laughs> and that goes exactly back to what, again, there's got to be some diamonds in the rough out there that we've got to be able to find. And that's where, again, when you look at the guys from Detroit that came through, late round, late round draft picks. Oh, look the what guys, they did they with the Soviets. Up. Exactly. Sure. Like, that's exactly where Winnipeg got to see if they can find a new, a new angle on that. Uh, we've got about a minute, well, a little bit, maybe a little bit more, depending on what Skippy's got going on. I'm going to ask you a pretty easy yes or no question. Uh, Jets social media has definitely seen some solid advances this year. Obviously, the Wheeler and Shifley split and the Sammy Niku, Free Niku uh, movement uh, gained some traction with all the moves the Jets had to make. But, um, again, Hellebuck looks like he's locked for one of the top three for Vezina. Are we witnessing a Taylor Hall drag me into the playoffs movement from Connor Hellebuck right now? Is this going to be his, I'm not going to say he's going to win the Hart Trophy, but his nomination anyway should get at least thrown up there if he can get the Jets to the playoffs, yes or no? If Winnipeg makes the playoffs, Connor Hellebuck is on my Hart Trophy ballot. There's one. I've been saying for already like six weeks that he should be, and he should also be in the running for the Jack Adams as coach of the year. So. <laughs> and Norris? Solid. Norris as well? It, you could do Norris. Norris but, and Besna. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember when Jose Theodore dragged the Montreal Canadiens kicking and screaming into the playoffs once upon a time and was should have been in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. So, uh, uh, yes, if the Jets make the playoffs, not only is he the shoe-in for the Vesna or should be, uh, he should have Hart consideration, absolutely. AJ, last, uh, last opinion? Uh, I would say yes if they're playing the way they are and they get in, but I think there's way more untapped potential that the team could play better where he doesn't have to carry the team. But, I mean, obviously he's been having an amazing season. I think he's obviously a Vesna candidate, whatever he should should be that, but uh, it shouldn't so much shouldn't have to rest on, on one guy. So I, I just wish the team would play better in general. 
get get a little bit more of the the people in front of them. I don't think I'm going to disagree with that at all. I think that's the appropriate um, idea. Anyway, we want to see a little bit more out of this team. Um, in saying that, our 45 minutes, unfortunately, tonight is up, um, <laughs> only because of the fire alarm. Uh, I will open this up though and say that there probably will be one more at least before the end of the season. Um, so, gentlemen, if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to come back and certainly. Uh, bang our heads a little bit more about how to make this team a little bit better and, and get everything going. Uh, hopefully there won't be a coaching change because that would be crazy at this point in the season, I think, in terms of trying to change everything at this point. But there are some guys out there still, Laviolette, Glant, hanging around looking for new jobs anyway in terms of what went on. Um, with that, though, uh, I want to make sure that we get a little promotion out there because, uh, Marat, you're doing some outstanding work at The Athletic. Anything coming up that we should know about? Oh boy, um, on this week's edition of the Boarding Pass, which is our podcast, I got fired up in a way that I don't think I have on oh. any radio show or any context ever. I think I, there were there was some cussing even. There yeah. was wow! A, you wouldn't believe. Um, Marat got angry. <laughs> because I think that NHL player safety presently, mm. we are watching them fail. Oh yeah. Uh, it's players, and, and that's going to have some long-term consequences. So check out the Boarding Pass podcast. That's what I'd like to promote. Right on. That's a good idea, especially when to hear Marat get angry because he doesn't get angry very often so <laughs> not often uh, AJ Chris anything you guys want to promote anything you guys want to want to throw out about the uh, podcast or anything else that's going on uh, well we'll throw this audio up, audio up so uh, yeah. hopefully Greg and Marat are okay with uh, more than fun post that or we'll just bleep them out the whole time so uh, this will just become quote unquote a podcast episode but we are actually doing something with um uh, a couple fans where we're going to interview about seven or eight fans and just do like 10 minute hits with a bunch oh, of right people on. try and get some, fun. some varied opinions so uh, Ryan and myself will be doing I think it's seven maybe eight interviews with people and try and smash it into an hour hour and 10 minutes kind Sweet. of thing so that's uh, kind of fun there are other interviews but uh, I'm so far behind and uh, nobody else wants to do the interviews eventually <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen that's alright that's okay Chris anything uh, yeah you? just uh, subscribe to the podcast Jet Centric and uh, follow uh, me on Twitter CMAC Live you might as well and uh, yeah we appreciate uh, having us uh, oh, and no, to be part of it is fantastic. Uh, no, I mean we can't say enough. Thanks for coming in, Greg. Anything you got going? Obviously, you're busy. You got the start going on every morning. With, yeah, if uh, you can CTV. find the AM switch on your radio, try it out. Uh, yeah. You might like it. <laughs> 680 or on the on the AM dial, or uh, you can always listen online, cjob.com or Real Player Canada. You, I was going to say, I was just reading about the about the article the article that you had in the about uh, about doing the the whole mental health uh, with the month of, of January upon us. That's it. I think that's a pretty pretty cool story. Well, I appreciate that very much, and uh, you'll be seeing my ugly mug all over <laughs> television for the next, uh, I think it's 14 weeks in support of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation Lottery. So uh, if you've got a few extra dollars in your jeans, uh, buy a ticket for the lottery and support quality health care and world-class research happening here in our city. Uh, gentlemen, I will be the first and certainly not the last to say uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, thank you for sharing your opinions, because it's always fun to hear everybody else, and certainly some gentlemen of your caliber in terms of the, the genius that you bring to the show. Uh, as I was joking around on Twitter this week, uh, raise the IQ level from brain dead to Mensa level. So thank you for uh, for joining us. And uh, I want to say, uh, uh, again, door is always open. If you guys want to come back and chat Jets anytime, you're more than welcome to, 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 to drop in. So feel free. Uh, reach out if you want to come back and uh, we'll, we'll gladly promote whatever you're doing or whatever you're, uh, you're, you're, you're writing. For example, for you, Murat. Um, and we'll get everything on there for sure. But I will share the audio. You guys will have that audio coming up uh, tonight for, as well. So um, this audio will be available on the Jet Centric podcast uh, shortly. So thanks, gentlemen. Uh, with that, we're out of here for another week uh, on the Hockey Show. Uh, stay tuned uh, for Free Range Radio. Skippy's got everything queued up already. Look at you, already busy and ready to go. It's almost like you know what you're doing back here. Uh, with that, going to get out of here. Uh, again, Neil Pert passed away this week. Want to play a little tribute out to him as uh, Closer to the Heart with Rush uh, on 101.5 UMFM. It is the Hockey Show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.
I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>